we're on the air. Welcome to the Father's Church Sunday School Wisdom Seekers class. My name is Stacy Maston, and I'm going to be your teacher this morning. Did we get the sheets passed out, Missy? Mister? Um, well, this morning we're going to look at the Greek word kriteo, which uh, comes from kratos, which is uh, the power word that is the highest power. It is the um, ultimate authority that is issued forth from the throne. And as I contemplated <clears throat> what I would teach this morning, something that really has been impressed within me is how we must hold fast to um, the, our profession, which is really what led me to do this study. Um, we, Pastor has written about this. Um, we, there's a book in the bookstore regarding it, so it's not a new revelation, but regarding the times within which we are living, we really must be cognizant of the atmosphere, the things that are out there to, that would ensnare us, how we might be pulled away, and what we need to do in order to maintain our stance before the Lord through holding fast, through um, really hanging on to and, and remaining committed to that which has been issued from the throne of God. Because from the beginning of this move, where God visited this house very strongly with intercession and with a passion for sonship, that became our first issuance, really, from the throne of God. As, as this um, saint's network and move was really initiated through that calling that we were given from the throne. And so when you think about what's issued from the throne, and we're going to look at it, you know, the Logos is issued from the throne. That is the eternal plan of God. And these things that are brought forth to us for which we have lived for 20 years, we must continually hold on to and keep that commitment to that eternal plan which comes from the throne. And so while this is not a new teaching, hopefully... And, and I believe that God will show us some things in the moment within which we are living in order to step forward into the new, um, strengthened through, you know, this understanding, just a refresher and reminding ourselves of what it means to hold fast to our profession. So in um, this first passage... Well, you can see the, the verse, we're going to be looking at the verb tense first, which is kriteo. means to use strength, to seize or retain. It's a response. It's an action. What we must do according to what's been issued from the throne. This is our, our directive. Hebrews 4, uh, verses 14 through 16 says... Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast, or criteo, our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now you can see that the profession there is the word homologia, and that combines the words um, logos and homo, which means what you yourself would do. And we know that we have to remain steadfast to the logos, which is the eternal plan of God, released through the Bible, the Word. And this is what we have to hold fast to. We have to hold fast to that logos word. We do. That's what homo means. Like a homo sapien. You know, we'd be, we'd be, be, we'd be them. And we have to hold fast to the eternal plan of God that is on us to do. And of course, we have Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, our example, our elder brother, who has gone before us, who has, has, who's been tested, tempted, and dealt with the things of this life, just as we have. And we must follow him in this pursuit, knowing that all the things that we endure, all the things that we allow the Lord to do in us in changing us to become a son of God. This, we hold fast in the midst of those scenarios because in 20 years we have seen people fall away as they dealt with the challenges that come with being tempted, being tested, being refined. And all of the things that Jesus endured as he made his way to the cross. So here we are following in his footsteps, and we have to hold fast to that eternal plan, just like Jesus did. And you think about the plan of God for Jesus. I mean, he knew he was just, he was, every step he took was leading to the cross. And even, think about this, the ultimate prayer. Well, if it's a prayer, it was certainly a discussion when he said, uh, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. That, I mean, think about some of the things you face, the challenges that just seem impossible as you face them. I mean, haven't you had what seems like impossible scenarios? You think, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> Father, let this cup pass from me. <laughs> have we not prayed that? Hey, we have brought those prayer requests to church. Those have been the very prayer requests that we've, you know, 30 years ago prayed from the pulpit because on night that's what we did we brought heal that bunion you know pay that bill but basically we're praying for God to deliver us from our challenges not always I mean obviously we need to pray in faith for God to provide that is part of um, that relational makeup because God is our provider and we pray for those things but mainly you know people who start praying are ones who are praying for an emergency prayer to get me out of this situation and Jesus said, nevertheless, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And so as we go forward, looking at the plan of God for us, looking at challenges that we may face and things that don't always look like actually the plan of God is being fulfilled, because I'm sorry, but if you read the Bible, just about every situation looked like it wasn't happening. In every situation, the people were flummoxed and really didn't understand the plan. I mean, no one understood about Jesus being crucified, did they? 
They didn't understand it. So they were watching the plan of God. They had been with Jesus, yet they didn't get it. So we have to figure out that while God gives us an overall view, he's not really giving us the particulars. And the plan itself may look suspect. <laughs> and we might try to take matters under our hands like Judas did. And even like, I mean, just, you know, the disciples, all of them kind of seemed to scatter shoot in that moment where they were facing the plan of God and they didn't commit or hold fast to the thing that had been issued from the throne because all the words that Jesus spoke, we know, were the eternal plan of God for them. Nevertheless, um, they were human just like we are and we can't expect to do much better oftentimes. You know, I mean, they were with Jesus. <laughs> well, we're with the Father, and we are with Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. But still, our minds absolutely, well, it says in the Word, the, your mind is at enmity with the things of the Spirit. So if you think about how busy your mind is making a new plan when things don't seem to be working out, or you try to control a situation so that it turns out in your favor, or you try to manipulate something, or, I mean, you're always trying to fix what looks like it's not working. I mean, that's just what we do. That's what our minds do. And so our minds being so busy trying to fix what God hadn't done, it really does work against this holding fast to our this is our commitment to the eternal plan of God, our profession. This is our profession. And so we have to remain submitted and surrendered to that plan as we wait for the different aspects of the plan to unfold. And sometimes when, again, you have, we've had a lot of waiting. We've had a lot of good waiting, though, but... You know, when you look back, it's all good. You know, that, but at the time, that waiting wasn't always all good. As a matter of fact, it was quite challenging to say, okay, we've had all these dreams, all these visions. Where are the fruit of what God has shown us? Where is the realization of those righteous visions that we have, that God gave us 20 years ago? And so then we think, well, I guess we could advertise and try to get people in here because that would really help God with uh, getting these miracles started. I mean, that's what people do. That's what I'm telling you there. When, you, when you're not getting the satisfaction you think you're, you need regarding the, 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 the realization of the plan of God, the fulfillment, then you start making alternate plans, which, which takes you down an alternate path, which leads to deception, which leads to you doing something in your own strength, which leads to, it could lead to a lot of things if you don't rein that in. I mean, often I, I have found myself trying to take care of a situation, and I'm just, you know, striving over that thing and trying to, my mind is just doing all kinds of gymnastics, trying to work it out. And finally I'm like, wait a minute. I had to let this go. I just have to walk away from this. And it is absolutely contrary to everything that within me wants to do because it may have to do with one of my children. You know, you think, I can help, I can fix, I can do. And I have, 
I have had to turn my back on the things that I have loved the most so that I could allow the Lord to do the thing that he wants to do there. Well, let's take that to the ministry, though. So all these things are happening. I mean, a pastor, I'm telling you, if he is one of the most brilliant people I know. If anybody can think up something, that man can. He's a thinker. And he is, he is going through all the options, and he is weighing all these things, and he is strategizing. And you know what? I think the whole laying down thing physically is just a picture of what we, that we had to lay it down. And so when you lay down, you had to lay down your own plan. And, I mean, I, I know we've all prayed for him over the years, which has probably helped him a lot because he's had to overcome a lot of churching. He's had to overcome a lot of overcoming because his upbringing itself lent itself to him wanting to strive to be the best, the smartest, you know, and because his family, like his parents, weren't educated or whatever, and so he probably always thought he was coming from behind. He didn't have the same, you know, things that other people had, you know, the benefits and opportunities. So he had to make his opportunities. Well, listen, making opportunities has to stop when you start hanging on to the plan of God. You do not make your opportunities. You wait for those opportunities. So, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, as a people, we're seeing some fruit of the things that we've believed for. I know we have a team in Brazil, and, you know, we're very hopeful for what God wants to do there and how that might impact the days going ahead. But regardless of that, I feel like, and those are good things, but sometimes good things even bring more bad things, more trouble, more challenges, or different challenges. If, you know, maybe not the same challenges, but maybe different challenges. And we have to hang on to the things that we know we must do. Those things that we believe that have come from the throne. That's what we have to hold on to. That is our commitment to his eternal plan, which we are continually you know, feeding through our communion with the Father. So hope, Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So within this passage, we see, I have some things, you know, underlined for you with the uh, Greek next to them. Um, these are terms that you should be familiar with. But we have a strong consolation, that Iscris Periclesis. We understand uh, as a refresher that the Iscris is aligned with the Arche level. And um, because... It's from the beginning, and it operates from an understanding of the original intent and purpose of what God wills and does. That Iscarus level, we know, corresponds with the continental authority, but you have to be sent in order to take dominion in that respect. But it's responding to and carrying out words from God as the oracles of God. This is classified as the Iscarus. The Periclesis is a prophetic exhortation to the work of the spirit of truth we always know that all of those things that had to do with the comforter 
speak about calling alongside what God is doing. So in every instance, here we have what I think is interesting, an Iscarus paraclesis. So calling alongside what God is doing in the nations because who have fled for refuge to lay hold or that criteo upon the hope that is set before us. And we know hope, elpis, is that faith that was deposited within us by Elohim. You know, his love deposited that faith within us. Prokemi here, this hope that is prokemi before us, it refers to what is in front of us. It's what we have been given to do. It relates to our identity. And in this, we must employ patience and devotion to what the Father is doing as we endure the trial that is in the spirit realm and our application to the Kami. Because the Kami is the objective. And how we view the Kami or the objective is the pro Kami. It's always going forward to what God is wanting to accomplish and keeping our focus on our placement upon what God has said and upon what he's given us to do. Knowing that he's going to provide for everything we need for its success. See, the thing, the breakdown is the knowing that he's going to provide. Because often he, he lets you want or lack or not see how the provision is coming. And we always like those things well in advance so that we don't have to think about it or worry about it. And God is always about doing what he needs to do when he needs to do it. <laughs> and if he's the one doing it, as pastor has said many times, this is his mission, not mine. He is going to provide for that mission that is his. If we start making stuff up, we may not get the provision. But as long as we're adhering to the vision that he has given us and we move forward based on that, he is going to provide for that. Provision for the vision, as Pastor has said many times. Let me see if there's anything else in this voice. The thing about hope is I don't feel like, you know, right in this moment, we feel hopeless. I know that there, not that we ever felt hopeless, but there are certainly moments, I think, in our walk where God has caused us to hunger in a way that felt like we were deprived or, you know, we were kind of losing steam. We, and maybe hope is attached to that feeling that, you know, what God has said at his right hand, you know, doesn't really seem to be materializing. So we begin to faint in that. So I don't really feel that in this moment that we feel this way about what God is doing and just in our walk. Generally, that's not the atmosphere that I sense. Still, we don't know what awaits the saints as things begin to flourish and to pan out. We don't really know what that's going to look like because I know as those things happen, other things in world events are also occur occurring and the enemy is gonna do everything that he can to oppose and to hinder what God is doing. So in the midst of you know, what we see God doing, 
the enemy's going to be along. I mean, I think about the guys at Brownsville. I mean, people were coming from all over the world, and they were ready to quit. It was just overwhelming. They just didn't want to go another day. And they would say, you know, I would come in ready to quit, but, you know, Kilpatrick, he, he had the word or he had the faith at that moment in order to speak into people who were not, you know, they were ready to quit. And then another day, Kilpatrick would be just ready to walk out. But then, you know, Cooley would say, no, we're, you know, and so they almost held each other up because they were so tapped just by continually working. Think about continually working. We hadn't done any of that. We hadn't done any of that. So what happens when we're continually tapped and all, you, all the people who can't wait to minister are just ministering all the time? I mean, you're going to get what you wish for. Work, 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 work. Okay, so what happens when your life is turned upside down because of the burgeoning fruitfulness? I mean, with different challenges again. So that hope and how we maintain that hope aside from each other, lifting each other up, continuing to parakaleo one another to come alongside. This is what God's doing. Come on, hang in there. But it's also how we spend time with the Father in commune. It's always going to be the answer in order to hang on to that criteo, what comes from the throne, and to hear what comes from the throne. Increase, Colossians 2:18 and 19. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So the, in this situation, you had... Um, I guess it was Paul wrote Colossians to the Colossians in this letter. And he was talking to them about, you know, keeping up all their traditions and, and eat what you eat and where you go and, you know, what's acceptable in the Jewish mindset. And so he goes, don't let anyone, and this word beguile actually means to, raw, uh, to rule over you. And the word beguile and reward is the same word. So it means let no man uh, rule over you and say that you have to do these voluntary false humility actions. They're just, it's just religiosity. It's them trying to keep up those appearances is really what that's talking about. But moving on to the holding of the head, that criteo of the head, that ultimate authority by which the body is completely nourished and supplied when we are flowing in that point of unity and authority where we have increase. This is how increase comes because we are holding the head, that criteo, and everything is nourished and supplied. We're knit together in unity, and then we have that increase, that exano of God. It's pretty cool. Precepts, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 17. If there's any comments, you're always welcome to um, interrupt me. But we are bound to give thanks always to you. Sorry. We are bound to give thanks always to God. For, I blinked. 
I blinked, I looked up, and I missed a word. <laughs> but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. These are the agapitos, those who move in the agape, because God has from the beginning, beginning. <laughs> he has from the beginning, this is a little too southern, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief in the truth. These two things are really important. We see this, these saints coming alongside, and we must give thanks to God for these ones who are coming into the agape. They're entering into the sanctification process, which is something that we've been doing for 20 years, where um, we have that point of restoration continually active in our lives. That means change. That means submission. That means letting go of things. That means dying to self. It's it's that whole lovely process. Just die. Just die already. Well, these saints are coming into this, and they're coming into that point of faith in the truth. What's at the right hand? What is being uncovered that wasn't formerly known? Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by the Logos or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting perichalesis <coughs> and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Up here in verse 15, stand fast is stecho. This speaks of not moving from the place where you've been planted, being committed to the agape, and ruling and reigning in that place while standing strong in the faith without surrendering your position. Brethren, stand fast. This is what we must do. Hold the traditions. Criteo the precepts. Those precepts upon precepts, line upon line, those things that God has been teaching us over the years, we have to maintain our hold, seize it, hang on to it, and don't let it go because it's precious. It comes from the throne. And we already discussed parakaleo, which we know means to call alongside to what God is doing, to partner in his purpose. Okay, page, for me, page three. I don't know where it is for you guys. Did anybody have anything to, oh, I didn't actually finish that. Let me look, 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 look. Well, I do think it's interesting. You have in verse 16 and verse 17, this parakalesis, parakaleo. It is just repeated that we must exhort one another and be a be a, a person who calls the others alongside to the work that God is doing, that our hearts would be established. That's to read so. I think I have that. Maybe another, another verse as well. Sterizo means to set fast, turn resolutely in a certain direction. This capacity of strengthening involves a return to purpose because a sifting of our faith has occurred for the purpose of helping others in their histeme. So when you are 
giving thanks for other saints. You're bringing them alongside through the message. And you are comforting their hearts. You're establishing them in those agathos logos, that word that, <coughs> that literally brings a beautification to the purpose of God. That's what agathos means. It's a good thing um, that embellishes um, what God is doing, whereas the kalos is the purpose. The agathos <coughs> is a good thing that goes along with the purpose. I should have probably looked that up because that was a very shoddy way to explain it. But an agathos logos is really the word that is going to establish them in this work. It's going to bring them into a point of strengthening in uh, the agape and in the work that God is calling them to do because as you have accepted your calling, as you've accepted what you're supposed to be doing in the kingdom, that is the thing that they have to come to. And as you know, it's taken us many, 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 many years to come to the place where we accept what we've been called to do. Many years. But that is not going to be so with the saints that are called alongside. That is one of the first things that they're going to be taught, is how to recognize and accept who God has called them to be. So you negate a lot of competition and jealousy and wondering and you know, confusion. I mean, I know that the Lord let us walk this walk for a reason, but their point of sanctification is going to look different than ours. I mean, they don't have the same 20 years that we had. Things that they accept and believe, they're going to be able to do in a much quicker fashion as we've, we've talked for many years and said, this must be so. They must come alongside and, and, and uh, embrace and apply these revelations that they've never heard before in their whole life. Imagine someone coming into your church and <coughs> saying these things for the first time. They've never heard any of the things that we have lived for 20 years. And so even though line upon line, they begin to teach, but I mean, in a seminar, they could teach them five principles, or three maybe. Proscune or diverse tongues, the saints, boom. That's your first seminar. That's your first time you go someplace. You've got to lay that foundation. And so just think how quickly they've got to be acclimated to the thought, the mnemonicos thought process. And that sanctification, they have to accept it. They have to accept who they've been called to be. They've, been, they've got to accept that they're going to walk this walk of death, which is a walk of life. You know, you're not going to live unless you're willing to die, right? So they, I just think about what it must be like, <laughs> you know. But I know that God prepares the hearts. That's why we're there. He brought us there because they're hungry and they're ready to receive the message. But... Certainly, they have got to um, step into this and step into it quickly. We Stacey, have... Yes. Uh, what came to mind was uh, when I was in church as a young person, one of the things that was really um, uh, imparted to us very strongly was uh, they always wanted us to give testimony. Um, usually it was during midweek <coughs> service, not necessarily on Sunday, maybe Sunday night. And people would get up, and it was usually the older people in the church, the older saints, and they would talk about how they had prayed for so long for their wife or their husband or their child, 
some family member and uh, you know we heard that a lot and uh, you know being young I was like okay yeah I got I got that concept I know what you're saying but it really uh, they, they continually uh, presented us with that and so we finally all of us in the church walked away with uh, and, and it was good we walked away thinking all right you never give up in prayer for anyone you know it may be at the end of their life that they accept the Lord or on their deathbed but uh, you know we would walk away knowing that it was in God's timing and to continue to pray for that person never give up and so you're not actually talking about an individual accepting salvation but here we are as a church body and all that we have uh, um, overcome and experienced these 20 years um, it just causes me to reflect back on just individuals that needed to accept the Lord but uh, you know we're inching that ever closer to uh, the time when the Lord will rapture us and so yes you know it's been 20 years for us but like you're saying it's they're going to assimilate that into their spirit and it is going to be so much quicker for them it's not going to be a 20-year wait like for us but um and, and i think that's really matured us and uh, uh made us long suffering uh you know it's done a lot of things in us there's a lot and of things that happen in the waiting there and, it's, is. and it's really there the most is. important thing that happens is in the waiting so i think what i'm trying to say here speaking of me um since I, that was, and I don't like using this word, but uh, it was drilled into me very at a very young age, never to give up in prayer for anyone, you know, uh, to always pray without ceasing for people because they, you know, we're, we believe that they are going to accept. And so when we started this process, it caused me to think back to that experience I had in church many times. I mean, every week. Every week there were testimonies, and I'm, I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about three or four or five, because they would all readily stand and say, this is who I'm praying for. And usually it was, I'm still praying for them, but then someone would stand up and give this powerful testimony about this transformation that had occurred in their family. And you knew, as you listened to this testimony, that it was a divine appointment ordered by God, and you could see all of these little puzzle pieces just kind of snap into place. And so, you know, even though we uh, wonder sometimes that why it hasn't happened sooner or why we're not doing other things, uh, we're getting there. And uh, we have to be the trainers. And so really, we've got to uh, be a well-rounded uh, saint. And so we're probably gonna experience just about everything so that we can deliver that in a ready fashion and move them forward quickly. Well, you know, I, I think about uh, not saying that we're Jesus because we all know that we're not but but it says that he was in all points tempted and at just as we were not and, and I feel that in a kindred way as sons we've been in all points tested so we have the same ability to minister in a lot of in every situation that might arise we have experienced it or someone within our camp has experienced you know a certain thing or they just there's a level of um, I, I don't know what word to use because I just remember in the beginning there was a lot of judgmentalism you know if someone did something wrong I mean it was just you know um, 
a lot of finger pointing, someone's not in the spirit, you know. Um, and there, we had to learn a, the hard way and the long way to judge what that really meant because all we had done is repeated what we learned in church who really didn't have a whole lot of spirit moving. And so um, if someone, I mean, I mean certainly, we had a lot, a lot of immaturity at that time, so a lot of us did things that were probably foolish and, you know, not, and maybe in our own flesh, you know, doing something for, for reasons of our own making. Um, but if you don't allow a grace for people to learn how to move in the Spirit and, how, and to, to allow them to surrender those things to the Spirit, then how will they ever change? You know, those, those are things that we learned that I thought were some of the most precious because, you know, we really have allowed each one of us to work out our salvation before God, which is what the Word says we have to do, that every one of us with fear and trembling works that out with Him. And it's not really any of y'all's business how that looks, unless, of course, you see me sinning or doing, you know, something truly incorrect. And certainly, if you've got a younger one in the Spirit and you see that they're, you know... In the, in the midst of doing some kind of ministry that you know is of their own making, you might talk to them about that maturity level or how they might, you know, carry themselves forward in love. And certainly we're going to train people in that. But, you know, those kinds of things cannot really be taught. They have to be lived in a lot of ways because that submission that we all have to give to God is about, you know, it not looking like we think it's supposed to look because we don't always know how it's supposed to look. I mean, we just don't. I mean, face it, folks. God's doing things a certain way in His way, and it says it ain't our way. And He thinks about things in a way that and we don't think about them that way. That's what it says. His ways are higher than ours, and His thoughts, I mean, we cannot, you know, we cannot hope to attain that level of consistency. We'll know those things as they are revealed to us in a moment of, you know, when he says we need to understand or know his way or know his thought in a particular matter. But until then, we just need to keep our hands off of it because we like to meddle in our minds. We like to judge what we <laughs> like or don't like and think or don't think about a thing. And, and, and um, so I think... Going into these places, we take that, that experience along with the Word. We take that to those places, and we're able to train from a place of maturity. Because I think about the evangelists and the people that were teaching back in the day, and all they did was repeat what they learned in church that was just always the, the same old way. We always heard the same thing about the things of the Spirit. There was no revelation about the things of the Spirit. And pastor in particular thinking about I didn't know anything so I, I didn't have to relearn anything like he did um, but so he had to take away all that he had been taught for all those years he was a student of the word even then he would tell us he listened to tapes and tapes of tapes of different preachers that he liked and so I mean he was fully indoctrinated in the AG way and that AG way didn't have always the full truth. You know, all of the gospel, which they claimed to have, they really didn't have all the gospel. 
we don't yet have all the gospel. We're still, we're still learning. There's still truth being uncovered from his word. We seek to know all the gospel. We seek to know the Father's will and his heart. And that's, that's the thing that we take to the people is that dialogue because the dialogue that we bring is a, is a message that has never been heard in how to know the Father and how to submit yourself to his plan. And that's just a simple way of saying a million things that we've experienced. You know, we, ha we have to, the different ways that we'll be teaching it and demonstrating that is what, and the way the Spirit is going to demonstrate himself while we're bringing that message is what is going to make the difference in their lives and how they well, think how come diverse, on board. We're a small group, but think how diverse we are. Age-wise, uh, some of us were churched, some of us were not. Right. And, uh, you know, if you think about if we worked together, we would probably never, you know, really socialize. You know, we would have to work on a project at work, but... Look what God has done. He has changed all well, of us. Well, it's true. We're not a clique. It's not a group of people who love each other because we like each other and have the same personality and all exactly. the same. We are so different. I was just going to bring up, I don't know how many of you have had the same opportunity that Stacy has had in, uh, in watching me change. So that, that was, I think that was a revelation to her, mm -hmm. to see somebody that didn't know anything who started praying in the spirit every day for that 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever I did, and how much difference that made in my life that she could see. I don't know how many of you have seen that with someone close. Yes, yes. It is. I've seen, seen the opposite. <laughs> try, try to speak to you know people that should be the mature ones that are <clears throat> no idea what's going on and they voiced it you know I speak of my, my you know my my own father you know tried to speak some things to him and mm -hmm. he says he told me he said I have no idea what you're talking about or have no no interest no understand well he, it's not that he said you know I'm not interested it's like Paul spoke of where he was speak, speaking in the air where it was not. Well, he just fine. didn't get it. Right. Well, mother didn't get it for 20 years. That's yeah. what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So for the entire time of my walk until five years ago or thereabouts, whenever it happened, whenever um, I was given the opportunity to, to uh, speak at a women's retreat that a friend of hers put together. And so I was able to just, you know, for several hours speak about prayer and relationship and and it explained what we were doing to her in a way that wasn't defensive. I wasn't correcting her because of what she did or didn't know or didn't understand. And she had been mad about the fact that I had been taken away from her by God for all those years. And so, but at that moment she understood it. And so I prayed for her where she received diverse tongues. But uh, when she started praying in diverse tongues, all those attitudes, all those things that she once held so firm really began to melt it was just crazy and she would start saying things to me that I had said to her you know one point or time or another and just repeating them back to me and not because she remembered me saying it the spirit was doing that in her and then when she came here she uh, and she's read some of the books like divers tongues and my books and she got some of it but really not really getting it 
Now, it didn't make her want to pray in the Spirit. She read Diver's Tongues. She read my books about prayer, but she didn't start praying. Okay? But when I said, look, you know, I'm testifying here in my teaching time, and I don't care. That's fine. It's a great testimony. But, you know, she's always been a big, firm believer in tithing. And you know the principle of tithing. You do that first. You don't wait until you pay all your bills and see what's left. So I said, well, what do you think about tithing? Well, you got to tithe. You know, she just, you know, be all, all over that. I said, well, guess what? That's what prayer's like. You got to give that to God, and then the rest of the day is going to take care of itself. Because I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to do that every day. I've got to get up. I've had this stroke. It takes me longer to get ready. And I had to be at work at this time. And I have to do this. And, you know, she was, you know, had it all worked out in her head. I said, look, you give it to God, that time to God, and all that other stuff is just going to work out. That is the same principle. And so she didn't actually do what I said. She gave up something else in order to do it. She gave up her coffee time in order to pray. So she didn't actually spend more time and get to work later or whatever. But she did give up something. But she did give up something in order to have, well, in her mind, she knew what she had to do. And, you know, God couldn't help any of that. So, but anyway, um, so she did. She started praying. And it was a miraculous thing that I watched. And I know it's the same thing that happened to us, see. But because we were all doing it together, we couldn't see how our verbiage was changing. We couldn't see how, you know, what we had all once believed just began to melt. I can't say that for myself because I, I can't say that I had a whole lot of firm beliefs other than I knew that I love God, He loved me, and hallelujah. <laughs> but some of you, I mean, Mark Seminary, AG, the Duchons, you grew up in AG. You too, probably, Tricia, your parents. Uh, the, Stewarts, I know you did, Debbie, girlfriend. So, well, I mean, so you still, you have, you've got that foundation that must be changed. All those linear thoughts that had to really be um, melted away so that you could embrace what God was saying today. That's what, that's the difference, folks. That's what we're talking about what comes from the throne, that's where it's coming from. That's the thing that we're being led by is what comes from the throne. That's the thing that we're holding fast to. That's what we have committed our lives to. And it's not just, as Pastor says, something that, you know, an apple fell out of a tree and it's on a head and we had a great idea. You know, all these things are in the Word. This is Logos. This is all founded in the Word of God. So, you know, how we step forward into the new horizon that we can't really define what that's going to look like and the challenges even that we're facing today in the network things that we're facing um, on an international level and in our own nation with Trump and just the political mess I mean just think of all the fires that are out there folks and and so if we come on the scene in a stronger way if we think that the enemy is going to allow that to happen without some kind of pushback and you know, atmospheres and things that we're still going to have to walk through, we can allow these other voices and other messages and other, you know, ways to infiltrate into what we know the logo says that has come from the throne. We have to remain steadfast and persistent and not only that but we have to gird up those saints that we are bringing alongside into this message which is it's going to be um well to to put it mildly it's going to be contentious 
The church is going to contend against us. The world is going to contend against what we're doing. So we're asking them to come alongside and take a stand in a way that they never have before. Because not only are they just having a good time in the spirit because they love the Lord, which we've all done, but they're actually making and taking a stand for their nation, which is going to put them in harm's way. They're taking a risk. And the enemy's going to come at them, and they're going to have to stand fast, and we're going to have to speak into that and, and pray for them is what we're going to have to do. We really need to gird them up. We don't have a whole lot of time left. These, this last, the Kratos verses, really were mainly a point of declaration. Um, man, I, they're just so strong. They're so strong. So I'll just, I'll read what I can until it's over, and, um, and then we'll end the class. So looking at kratos, which is the noun, so it is what actually emanates from the throne of God that we are responding to. Ephesians 1, 15-23, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, when I, when I heard that you were hearing from God from the right hand and, um, and believing that and carrying it through, and your agape unto the saints, I cease not to give thanks for what you're doing, making mention of you in my prayers, girding you up, that prosuke, and that could be prosikamai, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. These are things we need to be declaring over the saints that are coming on board. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the work of, working of his iscus kratos, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I took off the last verse from y'all because I wanted it to be four pages and not five. So <laughs> that was one place that I could, could kind of cheat on you. But here we have what comes from the throne is far above everything. Every other thing cannot withstand what comes from the throne. doesn't matter what God tells us to do, if we are doing what comes from the throne, none of these issuances that oppose it can, can do that. It cannot stop us. It does not mean, however, that we won't have to deal with those things because we're definitely going to have to take a stand. There's no way around that. But we are giving power from the throne in order to take a stand against the enemy forces that we must remove, that we must take dominion over. And, and honestly, you know, how is that going to look? I don't really know how that's going to look because all we've really done is begun to, to put our foot down and say, okay, this is our terio, this is our estime, but have we taken the U.S.? No. So how is dominion really going to look? I don't know. How is that war really going to look? How is that battle going to play out in our everyday lives? 
I don't think we've really seen the extent of that yet. I think that we see a lot of things, you know, kind of, we see evidence of it, even through natural calamity, through um, just political atmospheres, things we've already discussed that are so volatile right now. The hate is so vile. It is unimaginable. The things, the people who are saying that other people are hating, they're the ones that are hating. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, just, it's, such a, it's such a mystery how they act like they're the ones exuding love when they're the ones that are actually causing the problem through, you know, anyway. It, it's just a mystery. But I think about this declaration of what comes to, from the throne, where we have made our stand. This is where we have made our stand. We're going to be okay if we stay there. But we must remain in the word, in the truth, and in commune in order to maintain that position. Because in our own strength, because you know what? In our own strength, we're a power or a might or any other name that is named. I mean, we're just one of those folks if we begin to oppose what comes from the throne. And they lose. <laughs> so <laughs> let's be on the right, the winning team. Ephesians 6.10 through 13, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is Kratos Iskus. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, because he's got a few. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand that we know that word is histeme that is taking a stand in the place where you have been called where you have been planted you may not think you're doing anything but your stand your very the presence of god's spirit within you is what's taking the stand in the systeme that's making the impact of the systeme and we do this through the power of his might and I just think about not wrestling against flesh and blood. The enemy wants to make it about that. So we have to be careful not to lash out at things that are happening or people because you're really, you're really just blowing smoke. I mean, you, your, your words don't really have any much more effect in that respect when you're just reacting. Your power is in intercession. Your power is in proactively going to the throne and praying about the matters that bother you or the things that you see but you enter into that dialogue and really uh, to me it's just a more an exciting inciting type of um, situation because we don't fight against people and now I don't I'm not saying don't react with the word or maybe speak truth I know Rick you have a lot of things but you I know you speak a lot of the things that are just speaking the truth this is what is happening to bring awareness but you don't speak hate that's a completely different story because then you're just you're fighting against flesh and blood and that's what the enemy wants you to do you know we can't enter into that we have to know where the bottle the bottle the battle lies <laughs> we do I got about two more minutes I guess I can do one more Colossians 1, 9 through 13. 
For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. I love that. For this cause, since the day we heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. Whenever we hear about these saints stepping into this, whenever we hear about things going in the network, since the day we heard it, we haven't ceased to pray for you. To desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is what we're praying. We're not trying to change their situation. We're not trying to bail them out. We are just praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That they would walk worthy, be able to carry the load, the burden of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every, I think that's Agathos' work again, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might. Both of those words are derivatives of dunamis. According to his glorious power, that's kratos. So it's according to the kratos. Undo all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Where's my? That's so funny. I don't have the end of my my verse. Can someone else read the verse twelve? Give thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers. Oh, I see it. I had my, my wrong page there. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Um, so I've already spoken about waiting and patience. We're given power to do this. That We could not do that on our own. But having patience and long-suffering, that's been a work of sanctification in our body for over 20 years. It really has. It's been a huge part of that. Okay, I think I'm done. I could go to the next one, but, I mean, they're just, they're awesome declarations. They really are. Um, so I thank you for your attention and your comments this morning. And I appreciate everyone who put the chairs out. I know Pastor normally does that, I think. After an election, we came in and the room was empty. Mm -hmm. So chairs had to be put out. So um, I thank you all for that, and I bless you this day. Amen.